Welcome to the sermon podcast of Redemption Church. The following sermon is by our longtime friend and member, Scotty Miser. Yes, as we as we pick up here, this is a very long passage. Uh, it's a story that we're probably all quite familiar with, Moses encountering the burning bush. Uh, and Moses' reluctance to proceed forward. And Moses' vulnerability, Moses' self-disqualification here, made me think of a story that I want you to kind of hold in the back of your head as we encounter this story. It was a very short video of a patient who was going in for a very vulnerable medical procedure. I don't remember the details because uh, the algorithm and TikTok has turned my brain into popcorn and I can't really hold on to one thing for very long, but I'll never forget this exchange that the patient and the doctor had because the doctor was trying to calm the patient down and assure the patient that she would be okay. It wasn't working. The patient couldn't really be calmed. The patient couldn't stop herself from being afraid. And so the doctor settled on this sentiment. And she said, it's okay that you're afraid because I'm not. It's okay that you're afraid because I'm not. I think that's what God is saying to Moses here. And I think that's what God is saying to all of us. Amen? So if you get nothing else, it's okay that you're afraid because God is not. So, to give a little background for the burning bush, uh, you, can, you can head right back, Kyle. That's all right. We'll be on that slide for most of today. Um, we know uh, from our previous sermons, Moses was rescued from infanticide as a baby. We know that he lived in royal privilege. Uh, traditions say that he lived in the palace until about the age of 40. Um, at which point, he murdered an Egyptian for beating a Hebrew. Yeah, I mean, you're not in your 40s if that hasn't happened, right? Yes, uh, like, like most sheltered nobles, Moses was prone to act impulsively. Okay? He hasn't seen a lot of injustice, so when he sees it, he reacts. He doesn't respond. He's prone to act impulsively, and his heart for justice was not matched by his understanding of the larger system, the systemic oppression that's going on. He sees an individual problem, he solves it individually, man-to-man, pow. However, unlike most sheltered nobles, Moses' actions actually caught up with him. We're spicy today. Uh, Moses' actions actually caught up with him. There were consequences. People heard about it. So this leads Moses to run into the desert, marry into a shepherding tribe, where, again, tradition tells us he spent the next 40 years of his life. 40 in the palace, 40 in the wilderness. So when our story picks up, Moses is a working father, possibly a grandfather. 
whose shepherding duties are interrupted by a mysterious burning bush. A bush, though covered in flames, is not consumed by them. That's not the weirdest thing about this bush, of course. The strangest thing is that the bush speaks to Moses in the voice of the one true God. And he tells Moses that Moses' heart for justice will now take him back to Egypt. Not to attack individual Egyptian slave masters, but to dismantle the system that made the oppression possible in the first place. To free the people by dismantling the system. Now, uh, Moses is one guy. So I think he understandably starts seeing reasons why he might be unfit for this mission. In fact, I didn't realize this until I started researching this passage. Moses comes up with no fewer than five reasons why he is unfit for the job. And it's kind of this battle of wills between Moses and God, where Moses says, I can't, and God says, yes, you can, and here's why. And Moses says, I can't, and God says, yes, you can, and here's why. Now, because that passage takes up so much time, I've done my best to abridge this into a short dialogue. So if our Moses and our God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would join me up here, You're already backed up. All good. Okay. Moses, do you have your staff? Mm, yeah, it's in there. Actors. <laughs> so we'll have our burning bush here by the actual fire. Okay. And we've had Moses just called out of shepherding. He's taken off his shoes because it's holy ground. And God has told him. Go back to Egypt. Free the slaves. And Moses. You gotta take off your shoes, Moses. What? Oh, yeah, take off your shoes, Moses. This is holy ground. Amen. All right, that's more like it. Thank you. Now, Moses starts seeing reasons why he alone might be unfit for this mission. So, Moses said to God, have not made Moses' voice more Charlton Heston-like. Okay? He's understandably a little nervous. Now, God said this is the sign. It is text nerd. It is unclear at this point in the text whether God means I will be with you and that is the sign that this is okay. Or if God is saying you will worship me and that is the sign that this is okay. As with most productions, it's up to the directors and the performers to collaboratively decide. So at this point, I will defer to God. Uh, God, what do you think? Number one. Number one. Okay, so we've decided that this means I will be with you. And that is the sign that it is okay. 
Good answer. With Moses' first objection out of the way, he quickly moves to a new one, however. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what should I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is, our, this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. Now, Moses, this is kind of important. It, despite being an Israelite by birth, does not seem here to know God's name. That's fine. God assures him, the elders will know. The people you're gathering together, the people who need to know, will know that it's me. However, that's not quite enough for Moses. So with these two objections out of the way, who am I and who should I say sent me, Moses has a third objection. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? What is that in your hand? A staff. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake. And he ran from it. That is in the scripture, that he ran from it. Then the Reach Lord said to him, hand and take it by the tail. Go ahead, Moses, take it by the tail. Moses did so, and it turned back into a staff. No. No. Oh, you got it? All right. Imagine the theater. Moses did so when it turned back into a staff. Now, okay, why a snake? The snake is a cool party trick. It definitely shows the power. But scholars suggest that the snake was chosen on purpose. It's likely a visual symbol for Pharaoh. If you remember, the headdresses of Pharaoh, they were built to resemble the hooded cobra. Okay. So this is, not, this is not a coincidence. This is God saying God has power over the system. Amen? God is stronger than Pharaoh. But likely sensing that Moses would have more objections, God gave him another sign. The Lord said, Put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become white as snow. Now put it back in your cloak. Moses did so, and it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Now, uh, those are the two signs that God provides in the moment. However, if that wasn't enough, God also offers a third sign as collateral. If the snake doesn't work and the hand doesn't work, Moses is allowed to take water from the Nile, pour it on the ground, and it would become blood. He can do that at any time. God made it clear that he is king over the system, over the body, and over nature itself. And with that, Moses is finally convinced. I'm just kidding. Moses has two more objections to go. Moses. Pardon your servant, Lord. Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord, understandably frustrated, said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and teach you what to say. So, the snake, the hand, and the promise of blood water 
were not enough to convince Moses that God could help his fear of public speaking. That might be relatable for some of us. His fear of public speaking is somehow greater than all of these. God, of course, assures Moses his introversion is not enough to thwart the plans of the Almighty. Amen? But Moses has one last objection. Objection number five. Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Please send someone else is the last thing Moses says. In other words... I just really don't want to. <laughs> that's not in the Bible. This is... Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said... What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if it were from your mouth and as if it were from God to him. But take this staff in your hand so that you can perform the signs with it. And with that, Moses finally made his trip back. Let's give them a hand. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, get going to Egypt, Moses. You better. Augie <laughs> just got the script for that this morning, for the record. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. And that vocal work was all his idea. The five objections and the five rebuttals. I think that we can probably all relate to one of these. I think that while most of us will not be while most of us will not be explicitly called to this specific omission, right? We've all been put in places we felt we were not fit for. Is that fair to say? We've all been given tasks either to do or situations to endure that we look around and we say, this doesn't make any sense. Why me? Why here? Why now? And it's these objections that Moses rather relatedly gives to the Lord. Kyle, if you go to that next slide, we're gonna go through them real quick. Moses asks, who am I that I should go? And God replies, I will be with you. God doesn't tell Moses that he's something other than he is, right? God doesn't build Moses up and say, Moses, what are you talking about? You're awesome. Do it. God says, whoever you are, I'll be there. I'm enough, and I'm with you. Moses' second objection, well, who should I say sent me? In other words, what, what if, you know, who am I, is this just my idea? People are going to think it's my idea. Who do I have to blame? And God says, the people who need to know will recognize my name. They will recognize my name. Do we believe that? Do we believe that when we go out doing the things of God, it will be recognized as such? 
We're probably much quicker to think of the people who won't understand. We're much quicker to think of the people who will condemn in our own imaginations these things. But God says the people who need to know will know. They will know that it is I who have sent you. They will know my name. And Moses asks, okay, so they'll know your name, but what if they don't believe me? They believe in you, that's great, Lord. What if they look at this and they don't believe me? And God says, believe my signs. Believe that I have power over the system and the ways that it crushes us down. Believe that I have power over the body, over its strengths and its weaknesses. And believe that I have power over nature. Believe that I have power over the world, the very forces of being itself. And I think it's something that sometimes we really wish we had. I know growing up as a kid with undiagnosed religious OCD, a constant reminder would have been really great, or really not. It would have been great if just at any point in a day I could throw down a stick and it turned into a snake, and I'd say, got it, still on the right path. But would it really be enough? I don't know. But I think that we can be reminded, even if there are not signs in the present that we can look to, I think we can all think at a point in our lives where we can see God working and recognize it as such, and we can remember that. We can hold on. We don't have to doubt in the darkness what we learned in the light, amen? Even if that staff just turned into a snake once, well, make that stick with you, Moses. Remember that. That's just as real. But what if the signs aren't enough? Moses says, I'm bad at this. I'm ineloquent. I'm slow of speech. I'm slow of tongue. I don't have what it takes to do the job. God doesn't say, yeah, you do. God just says, you'll learn. I'll teach you. How many times do I have to tell this to my students? They'll look at a thing, they'll look at an assignment or a problem, and they'll say, I don't get it. I can't do this. And I'll have to remind them, yet. You can't do it yet. That's why you're here. That's school. You don't, I don't, you don't come here and I assume you know everything. I assume you don't. I'm here to teach you. You say you're bad at this? I say, yeah, for now. Not forever. And that doesn't just apply when we're in high school, friends. New skills, new abilities, new imagination is always available. It doesn't make it easy, and it won't be instantaneous, but there are things we can learn. 
When we say, I'm bad at this, God says, you will learn. And maybe his last objection is the most relatable one. Please send someone else. You've made some great points, Lord, but in my defense, I don't want to. I just don't want to. And God doesn't say, I will send someone else, but he does say this, I will send others. You won't be alone, not just because I'm with you, but because there are others willing to join you in this work. Maybe it's work that you need to start, or maybe it's work that people have already started, and you just need to join, Moses. You think these people like being in slavery? That it's ripe for revolution, Moses. You need to go and reap the harvest. Show up. Learn. Listen. And be my mouthpiece. Fine. You don't want to be my mouthpiece? Fine. Take Aaron, and he'll be your mouthpiece. And I'll be and you'll be my mouthpiece, and it'll be like your God, and he's you. Fine. Take help. Here's the fascinating thing. If you keep reading in Exodus, God says, take Aaron and the elders. He only ever really takes Aaron. Once he's given the option of help, he realizes, well, this is all I really need. And then eventually, Aaron stops showing up. And it's just Moses. Has that ever happened to you guys? Where you say, I think it happens to me a lot because I tend to get tired very quickly and I tend to be dramatic about how tired I am. I have to be, I have to say, I can't do this. And then if someone says, well, you don't have to. And then I'll say, well, I mean, maybe I can. <laughs> I mean, maybe I, I don't know, maybe I can. It's like, you have all this help. No, no, it's fine. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. That's Moses, friends. Moses is all of us. Moses is any of us who have been thrust into a situation we feel ill-equipped for, unprepared for. Moses is any of us who does not have the confidence in himself, who feels that there's something in him that disqualifies him from being used by God. And God does not say, believe in yourself. God says, believe enough in me. You're not powerful enough to stop me, the Almighty. Believe in yourself a little more in that your weaknesses are not so great. And believe in yourself a little less that your weaknesses are not so powerful that they could stop God from moving. God says, it's okay that you're scared because I'm not. It's okay that you're scared because I'm not. 
find out more about Redemption Church, visit redemptionbristol.org.